Coming up on this week's show, Lisa from The Novel approaches here. She's going to recommend three series for your summer TBR. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 145 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable group of supporters on Patreon. A special big thank you to Scott. He recently joined us. We'll have more information on how you can join him and the rest of the super cool Patreon crew in just a few moments. Welcome back, everybody. Another week, another show. We hope you had a pleasant week in July. I know most of you are probably roasting, but... Uh, nevertheless, I hope it was pleasant and you got lots of reading done. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Cool. Not a bad week at all. How are you doing? Um, not too bad. It got me thinking, uh, not too recently, um, about summer, uh, and about summers, (laughs) (laughs) days of summers gone by, uh, and I wanted to ask you, what is your fondest summertime or summertime, summer vacation. That's what the word I was looking for. The vacation, summer vacation memory. Summer vacation memory. Well, it was, it's interesting. I started thinking about this when we when you first talked about it. And it took me a minute because, like, uh, when I was a kid, we didn't really do the summer vacation. You are lucky then. <laughs> <laughs> and there were, there was like one, I think I was in middle school or high school where we went to the beach and that was fine. And there was some college stuff or, you know, go to the beach or do whatever. But I think my favorite one is actually 2008 in Provincetown with you. Oh, Because <laughs> that was, the whole thing was just magical. Getting there on the train to the ferry, which was awesome. That hour and whatever ferry ride was very cool. Uh, Provincetown was really magical. We were there for Carnival that particular year, but it was our hotel that was parked on right by the bay. It was separate from the main hub of town. We had a nice little balcony that overlooked the bay, and and we were so it, it, I want to say lazy, and it, it kind of was lazy because I mean we're there and you're supposed to be doing all this stuff, but. In the afternoon, when the sun would go over the back of the hotel, and we were in the shade back there, just sitting out there, looking at the bay, kind of dozing, reading, whatever we were doing, it was just, it was all so nice. I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And more recently, I've been thinking that I'd like to go back to to P-Town one late summer and, uh, yeah, do that do that again. And maybe even back to that very same end, because that was just, it was lovely. Mm-hmm. P-Town is a wonderful, amazing place. Yes, very much so. So I'll flip the question back to you, as I'm sure you were expecting. What What's your summer vacation memory? My favorite summer vacation memory was um, when I was a kid, one of my main interests was uh, movies, classic movies in uh, especially. Mm-hmm. I remember one year my parents actually gave me a copy of Leonard Maltin's movie guide for Christmas uh, because I asked for it. Um, now this is <laughs> this is how old I am. There was no internet and no IMDb. So if you wanted information on a movie or anything actually in general, you had to find a book and go look it up. 
Um, and that's what Leonard Marth Malton's movie guide was. It was sort of the de facto, de facto um, go-to guide for all things uh, Hollywood past and present. And I didn't just use it as a reference guide. I used, I read it for fun. Oh, wow. Because I remember those books. I had at least one copy of it at one point. So my favorite summer was the summer when I spent the entire 10 weeks indoors. <laughs> and at the beginning of every week that summer, I would take the TV guide. Once again, no internet people. I had to... <laughs> I flipped through the pages of TV Guide, and I would plan my day. And from sunup to sundown, I would watch movies. Wow. And that's all I did, literally the entire summer. That was my sort of, my summer of classic movie education. And I loved every second of it. What was your, cha what was your channel of choice back then? It must have been AMC. Because I don't even know if TCM would have been necessarily on the air yet. There were um, there were still some, a few, a handful of uh, channels dedicated to movies, uh, the standard cable channels. Um, there were uh, you know TCM, AMC, and there were also a lot of um, uh, what's what is um, like TNT. And oh, just like basic cable channels. That's true. TNT back in the day did basic, more movies than they do now. Basic cable. There was actually a huge treasure trove of weird, obscure stuff that basic cable ran during the day. That's true. Uh, so I got to see some wonderful stuff uh, in the middle of the afternoon. Um, so that was my favorite summer. My uh, on flip side, I want to mention my <laughs> least favorite summer was the cross-country road trip my parents foisted upon me and my sister. Um, uh, granted, we actually did see some interesting things in that, like, it seemed like an eternity. It was probably only four weeks. Wow. But, um, ugh, Jesus Christ, talk <laughs> about hell on earth. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. What I mean, on what planet is a, a a pleasant vacation being trapped in a car with two people who don't even like one another? I it was like the it was like the movie Saw. It was just so <laughs> so horrible. I I'm literally still unpacking some of the trauma from that vacation 35 years later. There could be a book there for you somewhere, maybe someday. So here's what I have to say to our listeners who have families. Um, if you are considering a family vacation this July or August, please ask yourself, is this something um, that you would genuinely like to do? Or is it simply something that you are supposed to do because you're a family and that's what families do during the summer? That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> don't please, to each other about please it. Please don't, you know, uh, inadvertently inflict trauma on your family by doing something that is counter to who they are as a person. I think um, I was, of course, my favorite summer was like sitting by myself watching movies. I've always been a hardcore introvert. So 
trapping me with people, even though they're my own family, trapping me with people who don't like one another was it's was literally one of the most awful things I've ever had to endure. So don't force family members um, to do something that is counterintuitive to their very nature. Wise words from Will. <laughs> if you have a favorite summer vacation memory, uh, you don't necessarily have to unpack the bad ones, but if you have a favorite one, drop it in our comments because it would be fun to read. So, yeah, that would be cool. Um, Speaking of summer... Which is a great time for a reading challenge. Yes, it is. After all, uh, our friends at Coastal Magic have their annual reading challenge underway. Uh, the idea is that between now and when Coastal Magic begins in February of 2019, you read as many of the featured authors as you can. Uh, there's a list of the authors and the books that the authors themselves have recommended, which is posted on the Facebook event for the challenge. Uh, but of course, you can read any book by these authors. Uh, to get your entries into the challenge, you need to post your reviews on Goodreads, the online store you bought the book at, or your own blog, and then log that review onto the Coastal Magic form that you get on the event. Uh, the more you read and review, the higher prize level that you get to win. There's some pretty good prizes already posted, and Jennifer's going to be posting more prizes as the challenge unfolds. Uh, and we have a link in the show notes to the Facebook event where you can get all the details on this reading challenge. In The Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knaus, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the schoolteacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart in ebook, paperback, or as an audiobook performed by me, Finn Sterling, wherever you buy books. So let's talk a little TV to get into our little review portion of the program. Uh, it was exciting news this week to read that Pose, which has become our favorite summertime thing, uh, will be back for a season two in 2019, which is incredible. Uh, I have to give a shout out to episode six, which aired this past Sunday night. Uh, the episode was entitled Love is a Message. Uh, very poignant because this actually dealt with Billy Porter's character, who has been watching his boyfriend uh, slowly die of AIDS uh, in, a, in, a, in the AIDS ward of one of the New York hospitals. He organized a, uh, a cabaret night uh, for the patients because it's such it was such a dreary place. And big shout outs to Billy Porter and MJ Rodriguez for the two incredible songs that they sang uh, in that program. Uh, so if you haven't seen episode six, very much worth checking out. And as anybody knows who's listened to the podcast this summer, we are very into Pose. So excited that they're coming back for a season two since there's just two episodes left before they're done for this year. Oh, very sad. Mm -hmm. uh, another show that we want to quickly mention, it's called The West 40s. Now, this is an online internet show that recently premiered, and it takes place in New York City in the West 40s, which is Hell's Kitchen. And it's a about a group of 40-something guys and 
how they navigate the complicated and wacky world of dating when you are essentially gay and over the hill. Um, <laughs> it's it's really the first episode uh, is genuinely funny, and I really look forward to what they're going to come up in the coming uh, weeks. Yeah, I am as well. I very much enjoyed the the first episode. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, to the YouTube page, uh, where you could check out the channel and subscribe to the series if you so choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past week, we actually binge-watched uh, Outlander Season 3. Um, we're big fans of Outlander, and we're terribly behind on Season 3, uh, which actually premiered last fall, or winter, actually. I think it was in either September or October. That would be fall, actually. It doesn't matter. We were Who behind. Cares? We were behind <laughs> by almost a year, and we've watched and caught up. Um, they were all over the place in season three. They they were all over the place in time. Some twenty something years passed in the season. They were in nineteen nineteen fifties and sixties uh, uh, Boston. They were in. They they had a war. They went through all this great stuff. They ended up in Jamaica and then on the new on in America. Um, I love the show continued um it's it's romantic it's lush it's action um it's got sam who's gorgeous <laughs> um but it, it did have a nice kind of uh gay sub story this year as uh jamie was befriended by someone who was initially his captor and then let him go um this captain who became the governor of jamaica Definitely has a crush on Jamie. Jamie's very well aware of it, but it was yet a very respectful crush, and they kind of respected each other's boundaries around it. And uh, it was just a nice little, I I thought, subtext to the show uh, for this season. Uh, Any particular thoughts on on these 13 episodes that we got our way through? Um, You're right. Uh, For a time travel show, they did a whole lot of traveling (laughs) uh, this past season. Uh, It's really wonderful. the show manages to intelligently hop back and forth uh, in the story's timeline, uh, so it's never confusing, um, and it fills in the backstory of the characters that we uh, love so very much. I really, really enjoyed season three, um, in part because um, it deepened our understanding of the main characters and actually uh, the large cast of characters that surrounds them. Um, Plus, um, I don't know where else I was going to go with that. I just love Outlander. Um, (laughs) I think it's amazing. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, please give it a try. Season four is... On deck for November, it sounds like, from what I've heard so far. All right. So, yay, looking forward to that. Yeah. We also want to talk about something we recently saw, a very English scandal. This is a BBC production that is also airing on Amazon Prime, which is how we caught it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is three hour-long episodes, and a very English scandal is about liberal politician Jeremy Thorpe and the affair he had with a guy named Norman Scott. Um, It's based on a true story. Uh, They had a brief fling and then essentially spent the next 20 years trying to destroy one another. And the series sort of culminates in a very sensationalistic trial that happened in 1979. Uh, And it's about how Thorpe tried to hire someone to murder Norman. It's all... (laughs) It's really 
so over the top and so ridiculous, but it all actually happened. <laughs> um, our two main characters are played by Hugh Grant and Ben Whitshaw. Both of them are quite exceptional yes. uh, in this show. What did you think? It, it was so over the top and frankly hilarious. Well, at the same time, like, you know this happened. Well, here's the thing. At and- first, the, the tone sort of threw me. Because where I think when it comes to, you know, British television, there are like two 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 sides of the seesaw. There's either the, the deadly serious, you know, masterpiece theater kind of British television. And then there's the completely insane, bonkers, over-the-top, like Monty Python or Young Ones, mm-hmm. the British comedy. So they're really at, you know opposite ends of the spectrum and i think this show uh walked a a really interesting and strange line right down the middle it's kind of what we in america would call a dramedy Mm, i think i think because everything is played completely straight but the situations and what's happening is so strange and ridiculous (laughs) that is it's very funny yeah i mean you've got like hugh grant just going very deadpan almost. Well, then we have to kill him. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I adored it. I, I thought it was a, just a brilliant three hours. And, and Hugh Grant and Ben Winshaw, as you said, were just wonderful. And a very interesting look at some times in England that I just didn't even know existed until we watched this program. So check it out on uh, Amazon Prime. It's, it's an, actually an Amazon original. I guess they just bought it from the BBC. So you've... You've been back to Lavender Shores. You're like having your your summer vacation at the Shores this I summer. I am, and I could not be happier. This is a summer vacation I'm actually enjoying. Okay. <laughs> so I did actually read the second book in the Lavender Shores series. It's called The Garden. Uh, this particular book uh, sort of tells the story of Gilbert and Walden. Gilbert is one of the, uh, he's a son of one of the founding families of Lavender Shores, uh, and he is the friend of Andrew, who we met in the previous book. Anyway, Gilbert hooks up with nice guy Walden uh, one afternoon at the gym. They see each other, they, they make eyes across the gym, and then they eventually end up hooking up for some of the hottest sex either one of them has ever had in their entire lives. Fast forward to later that evening, uh, where they both attend Gilbert's family holiday function. It's a big fancy soiree, uh, and Andrew, um, I'm sorry, Walden is there because he is a school teacher, uh, and Gilbert's sister is also a teacher as well, so that's how he got the invite. So after they intimately got to know one another, they uh, meet here at this party, uh, and Gilbert, um, it turns out, has problems with school teachers, and he essentially runs away. Uh, A few months pass, uh, and they meet once again at Joel and Andrew's wedding. Uh, They're the couple from the previous book, so we get to kind of catch up with them and see what they're up to. Uh, Walden and Gilbert um, have chemistry that is undeniable, and they get back together once again, and it and while they have sexual chemistry, of course, in the bedroom, they realize that um, that they they have an understanding and that 
a relationship for both of them, which is, you know, not something that they would normally seek out. They think that a relationship might actually be possible with this other person. Um, both of them have gone through some dark things in their pasts. And I think that's part of what they recognize in one another. It's like, I see you and I understand who you are and what you've gone through. So I think um, there's a sexual connection and there's actually a deep emotional understanding they eventually come come to as they sort of uh, explore what a relationship is going to mean for the two of them. Um, Walden eventually uh, confronts an ex who comes to town. Uh, the ex is like part of the dark stuff that Walden has to work through, uh, and he does. Uh, and our two heroes uh, live happily ever after. Um, what I thought was really nice about this particular book is, is that not only is it kind of a super sexy take on a small town romance, I th really thought the way the characters worked through their situations like adults, they talked it through. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it was really nice. The And when I say darkness, I'm ta not talking about, you know, dreary, yucky, dark angst that drags the book down. Um, so if that's your jam and that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find it in this book. Um, it's simply... Um, both of these characters have self-destructive behavior and they're working towards uh, finding better and healthier ways to deal with the issues of their past, which they do because they find one another. Now, really quickly, I want to mention that the garden actually refers to um, Walden's backyard. Um, it seems that a continuing theme to the Lavender Shores books is, is that each one is named after a particular location that is special to the lead couple in the book. In this case, it is the garden that Walden creates out of his backyard. When he first moves to Lavender Shores, um, he finds this small house, and it's a perfectly cute little cottage, you know. Um, it's nice, but most people weren't willing to tackle it because of the large, overgrown jungle of a backyard. Uh, but when Walden sees it, he knows that he can make it his. He, he can see and understand the beauty that lies underneath all of the, the wild jungle, mm -hmm. which is actually a sort of a metaphor for these two characters. They know and understand and can see you know, who they each truly are. So I highly recommend checking out book number two in the Lavender Shore series by Rosalind Abel, The Garden. Highly recommend it. Cool. So I went a slightly different route for summertime reading. Uh, I did the more action-adventure mm -hmm. kind of popcorn book thing. Uh, from time to time on this show, I've actually talked about uh, Jeffrey Knight's Fathoms 5 series, uh, which is one of my all-time favorite uh, series. And this is from somebody who doesn't read a lot of action-adventure, but these books are kind of like, imagine if, if James Bond and Indiana Jones kind of had a baby. And, and you kind of get the, the feel uh, for these books. I realized that it's been like 10 years since the first Fathoms 5 that I read. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, wow, I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, in this book, which is the fifth in the series, uh, we reunite with everybody uh, to quickly kind of recap who, who we've got going on here. Uh, professor Fathom is uh, a very smart uh, professor in history and very interested in artifacts. Um, often these adventures take place around trying to recover an artifact and get it away from a bad guy. Uh, he is surrounded by uh, a super hot, very smart men. Uh, you've got Luca, an who's an art expert. There's Eden, who's a physician and genetic engineer. Shane is a cartographer who happens to also be a cowboy. Uh, Will is a major history buff who's also a college quarterback. And we've got Jake, who is a treasure hunter. And they're looked after by... Uh, as she's billed as the housekeeper, but Elsa is so much more than that uh, in the long run uh, throughout these books. Uh, the book's opening is actually quite important to the series because we finally see how Professor Fathom uh, was injured and was and was made blind uh, in his uh, shortly after he was uh, in college, um, and the man who blinded him uh, happened to have been his first love who comes back in this book and he is obsessed with time he always has been with the mayan temple of time which is in theory if you have all the pieces to the clock you can control time itself uh, and he is doing everything he can to get these remaining pieces that have been carefully hidden so he can go and finally take over the temple and of course it's up to the fathoms team to put a stop to that um, they end up, uh, Caro being, you know, knowing how Fathom works, he does his best to divide and conquer the team, kidnapping people that are important to them and sending them off to far-flung clocks around the world. There's an air clock, a water clock, uh, a sand clock, uh, and there are incredible adventures to rescue people from these very complicated clocks before they get killed inside the clocks. Of course, they all end up in the Mayan Temple of Time trying to solve that problem. And uh, I have to say that Jeff really made a hell of a cliffhanger here to lead into the sixth book that is due out next year. Um, I love, like I said, I love these books. I love the adventure. Um, Jeff has a way of writing the adventure, so it's very cinematic. You see everything that's happening uh, in your head as he lays it all out. Plus, there, there's remarkably hot sex that goes on here, too. Um, somehow, in the midst of all the danger, the boys find time, uh, either for their partners, because over time some of them have kind of partnered up with boyfriends, or uh, just random people. Is Occasionally, you know how James Bond always finds that moment, in the midst of all the danger, to be with the girl? Well, these guys can do that uh, with the uh, with whatever men happen to be around uh, that they want to have some sex with. Um, Jeff's actually going to be here in episode 149 on August 13th to talk about Fathoms 5, along with some other books that he's got coming out later this fall. So I, I look forward to kind of getting in to some of this stuff uh, with him later. So check out The Temple of Time from Jeff Knight. Uh, really quickly, another book that I did this week is that I listened to a book from Rachel Herring called Fast Draft Your Memoir, Write Your Life Story in 45 Hours. Which sounds crazy, writing your life story in 45 hours. Uh, but she makes it sound oh so possible in this book. Now, I adore Rachel. Uh, her podcast, Pedal to the Metal, uh, which is actually changing its name soon. And uh, How Do You Write uh, are consistent things that we listen to week in and week out. 
Uh, Rachel also teaches a memoir class at some colleges in the Bay Area. And it was fascinating to just listen to how she lays out. It makes it sound like the the simplest thing in the world to actually be able to take pieces of your life and construct a memoir out of them. Uh, I don't necessarily know I'm going to do that, but just listening to the book got some good writing, good writing tips, some things I hadn't thought of about before, some things that were just good reinforcement. And the audiobook, she actually uh, narrates her own audiobook. So it was nice getting this stuff because she relies on her own pieces of her own life to kind of talk about writing memoir because she's done a couple of them for herself. Um, so it's great food for thought. If you're thinking about writing a piece of your life story, perhaps check out Fast Draft Your Memoir from Rachel Heron. Uh, I give it a big thumbs up and was very glad that I took the time to listen to it. Now, if you're interested in any of the books that we just discussed, all you have to do is go to the show notes page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. We will have links for everything that we have discussed. Also, you will find a link to our Patreon page, and that is where you, yes, you, can help support this show. Um, you guys know the spiel if you've been <laughs> listening. Uh, all you have to do is go to uh, patreon.com slash biggayfiction. I almost forgot the URL. You did. After, all, <laughs> after like doing this spiel for a year and a half, I yeah. almost... Okay, anyway. Any, <laughs> I'm a little giddy. I, I definitely need a vacation. Um, guys, if you want to help support the show, you can learn how to do so at patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Now, as we mentioned in the upfront of the show, uh, Lisa from the Novel Approach is here. She's got three kind of diverse series to talk about uh, in her recommendations for this month. I'm very happy to welcome Lisa from the Novel Approach back to the podcast. Hi, Lisa. Happy summer. Hi, Jeff. Thanks. Happy summer to you, too. It's great to be back. You got a couple of great series you want to talk about today. I do. Actually, I have three, just two from the same author. <laughs> um, so I will go ahead and celebrate this one first because I am just absolutely over the moon in love with this author's writing. His name is Gregory Ash, A-S-H-E. Write it down, guys. Um, he is a, a newer author uh, and was brand new to me when I discovered him. Uh, self-publishes, and he writes amazing, amazing mysteries. Uh, he, he has two series that I am absolutely in love with. The first one is a Hazard and Somerset series. Uh, the, it's adult contemporary mystery set in uh, a little town in Missouri that's kind of, it, it, it's still very backwards in a lot of its, a lot of its socio-political uh, uh, elements, but it's a big booming university town, So, or, or it's a, a booming university town that's trying to be small town with big town feel in some ways. Um, but there, it, it's, a, it's a town that, that is still going through some issues uh, with uh, white nationalism and, and uh, just this dirty kind of underbelly of politics, and Ash just really captures uh, uh, the setting, first of all, and then his mysteries are just 
absolutely so well played out. I can't even begin to explain how how engrossing and how you just, uh, I, I literally can devour one of his books in a day because I just don't want to put them down. And on top of that, he has Emery Hazard and John Henry Somerset, who are his two uh, main characters in this series. And they have this uh, really, they go back years to high school, you know, 20 years to, to high school and uh, this really just uh, uh, turbulent uh, past through high school where Emery was was the gay kid who was bullied and John Henry happened to be one of, of his bullies. And so there, uh, Emery had left to work in the St. Louis Police Department and has subsequently come back to uh, Rowetwa which hopefully I'm pronouncing that properly. But anyway, the small town in Missouri. And he and John Henry end up being partners on the police force. So there is, is this undercurrent from, from their past and how John Henry is trying to make amends uh, uh, for his behavior back then. And, and it's uh, kind of this slow burn, simmering sort of relationship coming about now uh, that, that is just, it, it's just really a lot of fun. And, and I say slow burn, and what's kind of funny is the, the slow burn, you know, started in high school, you know, 20 years ago, but everything so far in the first uh, four, is it four books or five? Uh, the first five books of the series, it, it has all happened within like, a four month time period. Wow. So everything is real compact within, you know, a couple of, of uh, like a week or so, sometimes a week, week and a half, two weeks within each book, everything is like really fast paced and compact within each book that it feels like it's, this has been going on for such a long time, but it's only been just a little over four months. So it's, he, he just has a really great voice. And the series is just, uh, it, it's, it's really, really well executed. It's a lot of, a lot of fun for anybody who likes uh, a kind of a hard boiled uh, mystery with different sort of uh, mystery elements. Like some read sort of noirish and, and others, uh, very traditional kind of an Agatha Christie-ish almost uh, feel to them. Uh, um, so it's it's just a lot of fun. He's really, really an amazing uh, storyteller. And then his Hollow Folk uh, mystery series is, uh, is teen fiction. It, it is revolving around a group of teenagers. And it, it's, it, it's a again, just a really, really compelling mystery, but then it also throws in some, some paranormal elements. Um, and the, the, uh, Vi Elliott, who is the protagonist of the, of the series is, is a kid who, uh, has just a real tragic past. His father is, uh, is a drug addict and his mother was an abusive, you know, just horrible person. And he was taken away from her and sent to live with his father. Um, so, so he creates a, a lot of, a lot of relatable sort of pathos around, around Vi's character and then throws Vi into these situations where he's, uh, he becomes the kind of amateur sleuth around, uh, various murders in, and disappearances in, in this small town in Wyoming. And so it's, 
uh, a lot of atmosphere, um, uh, just, just again, really compelling sort of storytelling where you just feel so absorbed in these kids' lives and, and, and Vi is just kind of this tragic hero who doesn't really, you know, he doesn't try to be a hero. He doesn't really want to be a hero, but you can't help but just root for him and, and, and hope that he finds, you know, some sort of peace and happiness. And in the meantime, figures out his psychic abilities and how to control them. And, and, and the, the first book is actually entitled, uh, Mr. Big Empty and Mr. Big Empty is, is, is the, uh, the entity that produces all of the fear and, and the, and the, uh, the criminal, uh, dangerous intent in the series. And so it's just really, he, uh, I can't Gregory Ash guys, I just can't praise him enough. I am just so excited to have found him and his next, uh, Hazard and Somerset novel comes out next month. And so we're getting the progression of, of Henry and John Henry and Emery's relationship now and how all of these, uh, these complications outside are, are, are affecting the inscape of their relationship. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how Ash plays that out. But I, I'm just really excited about him. He's great. He's a great storyteller. I love how hard you've fallen for his work. That's just I, awesome. I absolutely, I, I, you know, when you're, I just am, the next book comes out and I'm just on it. I just cannot wait. And he always puts, you know, a, a little teaser at the end of his books for the next book. <laughs> it's like I can't read it fast <laughs> enough. Yeah, he's, he's. He's uh, one to one to watch for, one to add to the TBR list. Yeah, I think I'm going to add Hollow Folk because that sounds right up my YA alley right there. Oh, it is such a fun series. It's such a fun series, and and you know, it, Vi is not kind of your traditional hero. He just isn't. He just isn't. There are some. Uh, he he is not you know the warm fuzzy kind of kid but yet you just can't help but fall in love with him i just want to wrap him up in bubble wrap and and bring him home with me you know he's just he's a great character he's a great narrator fantastic what else have you got for us uh you know the second series that i am really in love with and talk about a complete 180 in terms of uh in in terms of content and 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 what the stories are about marie sexton has a new series called the heretic doms club and uh, the first two books are one man's trash and the second book is terms of service um and from what i can tell this is going to be a four book series um just really uh, uh, if you know it's just really powerful powerful writing uh of course from the title of the series you can probably tell that there is is an element of bdsm content to it um the first book uh, one man's trash is is a is a book uh that's really really a uh, difficult read um there are some triggering things in it that probably will not appeal to a lot of folks uh and uh, some i guess triggering things and some kind of hardcore sort of things that will not appeal to a lot of readers. Um, but she writes her emotional content in these books is just so deep and the characters are so, uh, well-defined and their, their, uh, backstories are 
so well incorporated into who they've become now in these books. Um, the the first the first novel, One Man's Trash, uh, Taylor is is an, another. He's not a kid. He's 24 years old, I think. But he had a really, really rough upbringing. And and uh, when Warren finds Taylor uh, or, or is pointed towards Taylor, uh, Taylor's not doing well. He's uh, he's mentally in a bad place. He's selling sex for for money. Um, and it, it just is this the whole dynamic of of Warren taking Taylor in and teaching him that, you know, he's, he's okay and he's going to be okay. And we're going to get, you know, we're going to make, if you're not okay, we're going to at least make you feel good about being where you are right now. And, and she just, uh, Maria's has several series. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Marie's work she's got several books that, just uh, longtime favorites of mine, um, and uh, yeah, she's she's the the Heretic Dom Heretic Dom's Club series is is just a, it's a it's a really really in depth sort of portrayal uh, if you like deep character portrayal, and it's not uh, it's not kink for kink's sake. There is there is a, a an element of need to the way that these guys interact with each other and and with their prospective partners or their partners that is is just really it's kind of beautiful it's really beautiful so that's that's my my second kind of obsession right now is I'm really really waiting for book three to come out and can't wait until she announces it because the character whose book I believe it's going to be uh is is kind of a he's kind of a wise guy you know he's 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 he pulls no punches, tells it like it is, and sometimes he says some really powerful things that just make you go, holy cow, wow, you know? So yeah, I'm really excited about the next one coming out. So so completely opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of recommendations, but uh, yeah, real excited about those, and, and especially Gregory Ash. He's just an amazing, amazing writer. Fantastic. And I like, I like the diversity you've got here between Yay! YA mystery and... And yeah, Dom Club, <laughs> kind of out there, yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I kind of, I'm an eclectic reader. I'll read just about anything as long as it it moves me. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing some reads that folks can add to their summer TBRs. Thank you for having me. It's always a great pleasure. Thank you once again to Lisa. It's always a pleasure to have her on the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'm going to be adding some Gregory Ash to my TBR uh, based on that. Because, frankly, it was awesome to hear her just be tremendously excited about this author um, that she has just fallen so hard for. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Coming up in episode 146, Layla Rainey will be here. And she's going to talk about her new Trouble Brewing series, which is a spinoff from the fan-favorite Irish and Whiskey series that she's been doing for a while now. Yes, yes. I have I fell hard for Irish and Whiskey this year, and I've read the first book in Trouble Brewing, and it's so good. Awesome. So, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next week, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. 
New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.